he said your your voice of great thunder mm. great thunder being the creator um he said but he said but he also reminded me he says but at home you're just big thunder because you're not supposed to have a big head about this you know <laughs> and so there's always that humor side of course i love it <laughs> welcome to the kindling fire my name is troy mangum God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says with God you can and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. This is a reading of John 3, 16 and 17 from the First Nations Version Bible, just released in August. The Great Spirit loves this world of human beings so deeply he gave his Son, the only Son who fully represents him. All who trust in him and his ways will not come to a bad end, but will have the life of the world to come that never fades, full of beauty and harmony. Creator did not send his son to decide against the people of this world, but to set them free from the worthless ways of the world. You're going to be hearing from the main translator, the lead translator of the First Nations Version, coming up next. So today on The Killing Fire, I have Terry Wildman on the show, and it is a real honor to have you. Thank you for coming on my podcast. It feels good to be here with you today, so thank you for inviting me. So Terry, um, I've come to know about Terry through the First Nations version of the New Testament, uh, as well as the creation story. It's the, it's the very first of its kind, uh, which is a native and indigenous people's uh, translation. And uh, we're going to get into some of that. But that was just released. When was the First Nations version of the New Testament released? August 31st. Yeah, so I am so excited to be able to talk to you just right on the heel of that. Uh, let me tell the audience a little bit about yourself. So uh, Terry Wildman, he is uh, part of uh, the Ojibwe tribe out of out of uh, the Great Lakes region, as well as the Yaqui out of uh, uh, Mexico, right? That's yeah. right. And um, and so he is uh, was the lead translator and general editor of the First Nations version of the New Testament and creation story. He also serves as the director of spiritual growth and leadership in Native InterVarsity. He's a founder of Rain Ministries and previously served as a pastor and worship leader. And you and your wife Darlene live in Arizona. So. Did I miss anything? <laughs> Only that we live on the traditional lands here in Arizona of the Pima and the Tohono O'odham. So I want to give that land acknowledgement and acknowledge the people who create or put here first. Yeah. So uh, let's get into this First Nations version. I First off, I just love to hear about sort of how these things come to be. This is a very, uh, to me, very precious a translation. Uh, my audience knows I'm, I'm a Lumbee Indian, and uh, my mom's a uh, Lumbee Indian, and I'm part of that tribe. And and God has really reawoken my Native heritage just mm -hmm. really in the last two years in a very spiritual way, where He's kind of guiding me into to learning more about the tribe and and learning more about what He has for me 
in my native roots. And so I so this is a very personal topic for me. And, I, and I'd love to, I mean, obviously we're going to do a lot of questions today, but I'd love to just hear from you, Terry. How did this First Nations version actually come to be? Well, I lived, um, my wife and I uh, were serving uh, as missionaries on the Hopi Indian Reservation in Northern Arizona, hmm. among a very traditional, very beautiful people. And the more I lived there, the more I realized I had so much to learn, even hmm. though I had learned things about my own native heritage and my, my ancestry and my people. Um, <clears throat> the Hopi were a completely different people although we shared some common values. So living with the Hopi, we, my wife and I lived there for five years and um, we served a couple of years with Youth with a Mission and then we served three years pastoring the Sunlight Mission uh, on Second Mesa. And when I was a pastor there, I was uh, looking at, in the, our storeroom at the church <laughs> and I found a box and I opened it up and it had Hopi New Testaments written in the Hopi language uh, that had been created by Wycliffe. And uh, I, I actually got to meet the tra actual translator and talk with him that did that Hopi uh, New wow. Testament But uh, while I was there. But uh, one thing, I, I was so excited. I was going to take it around and get people to read to me out of it, right? But guess what? I couldn't find anyone that could read it. Wow. So we weren't, these Bibles weren't being used and uh, they were, they were, they were just kept kind of uh, in, in storage. And that really piqued my curiosity in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we would sing songs in the, ch in church from the Hopi language, but I found out also that as people were singing these songs, I said, well, how does that translate? In other words, what are the actual words we're singing there to these, uh, these hymns? And they didn't know. Uh, and so it, it was an awakening for me. And um, I thought, wow, you know, in, in the ministry, we did ministry in the local Hopi jail, you know, we got men into a talking circle and we shared and we were using the NIV, the New International Version. We jokingly called the New Indian Version because <laughs> all the churches were using it up there. But, but what happened was um, I started working with some of the uh, the guys there and, and the idea uh, came to me to kind of reword the scriptures. I noticed that a lot of the guys weren't connecting, even though it was in English and a NIV is a pretty simple, plain English. But I, I noticed they weren't connecting uh, um, significantly. So we, I started rewording them and I would try these rewordings out on the guy, on the, some of the guys in our talking circle and, and things like that. And they really perked up. And they started listening and, and they started interacting more with the scripture. And, and then I would ask them, well, how would you say it, you know, in, uh, in English? And the reason we, we, uh, that we're doing English is because the history in the boarding schools and um, all across the nation, while, while Wycliffe and other missionaries were translating the language in, into the native languages, right? Another branch of the church was taking that language away from our people, Gosh, not, not allowing our people to learn those languages. Yeah. So I, I'm going to interrupt you right there because I sure. absolutely know enough about Native history in America that a lot of people don't understand when you say the boarding schools, 
That was a whole movement and people are not even aware. Most white folks are not aware of what we're even talking about. Can you just briefly say what that is for the audience? Sure. Um, I would say it was uh, toward late toward the 1800s after the, the Indian Wars were over. Yeah. And the United States was trying to figure out what to do with all these native people. Um, they, many of them were st still speaking their own languages. They were uh, living traditionally. They were put on reservations where they had to stay. At that time, they, they couldn't legally leave the reservation without being arrested. And uh, and so someone came up with the idea. Well, let's um, let's let's assimilate the native people. Uh, let's uh, teach them English. Let's have them dress in regular clothes. Let's and and they tried to do that with the adults, but it didn't work. So they said, "Well, we got to go for the children." Mm -hmm. And so they started a policy where they uh, took children to into boarding schools. Uh, mostly, they were taken by force. They were sometimes taken voluntarily. Some of our native people were were starving uh, and, and in very bad shape and they wanted their children to survive. And so they sent them to, they allowed them to go to the boarding school so that they at least have food to eat and, and, and a way to survive. But in these boarding schools, they took, they, the, the motto was uh, kill the Indian and save the man. And so they attempted to strip completely our, our language, our culture from us and and make us into their image the mm -hmm. image of the euro-american person right yeah uh, and and integrate them into society and so uh so these boarding schools function for 50 60 years and sometimes even longer in some places so that's the idea behind that yeah i mean it was an indoctrination and it was an Absolutely. indoctrination yeah yeah that unfortunately the church yes. thought this was good. That that's also the time period. And you were with Youth with the Mission, and and I actually was with my family and I were with Youth with Mission, and it's sort of a time period when missions was not just gospel, kingdom of God. It was our cultural ways plus God. Yeah, <laughs> and and it was a it was a it was a it was a bad mix. And it, and it really has caused a lot of hurt. I'm so I'm sorry. I hope I didn't distract you from what you were going through. So you were you you discovered these Bibles. You did it in the English language. They started to resonate with it. Right? Yes, yeah, I started circles. rewording rewording into English and even having them help me and give me ideas. And I I started uh, taking some of my favorite scriptures and and doing this. And eventually that led to uh, because it it was being positively received. It led to my wife and I were songwriters, recording artists. And so we did a CD called um, The Great Story from the Sacred Book. And that CD has 18 chapters and it goes from creation to Christ. And it uses this rewording that we were beginning to develop uh, way back in 2000. Uh, this would have been 2007 yeah. uh, that, we, that we created this, this CD. And we put music in the background and I was the narrator and we submitted that CD to the Native American Music Awards and it won. It won Best Spoken Word uh, wow. that year. And so we thought, wow, here's the story of the of of the gospel uh, reworded for Native people, but 
and told in a native way that won the Native American Music Awards. So we felt like, wow, there's something here. There's something about this. But I, I still wasn't yet fully convinced that I was supposed to, you know, I was looking for someone who was doing this. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of research and uh, couldn't find anyone who was doing this. Some people said you can't do that. You know, there's, you know, there's too many different tribes. There's, there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different tribes and, and everything. And, and so there's no way to, to kind of, in a general way, speak to all of them. But the, but the thing we learned was there is a way to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and we've been doing it for years and the English language that was forced on us became a common language that we all speak now. Mm. And, and so that common language, that colonial language um, helped us learn from each other and speak to each other. And we have these gathering called powwows. And at the powwows, we come together and we tell our uh, part of what we do there is we do our, our dances and we tell our stories. And so we learned our stories from each other and we learned our commonalities. And so from that idea, we felt like there could be an English version worded to relate to Native people. But the idea was uh, was to decolonize the scripture. And, and uh, you know, if you're going to share Jesus with Native people, you, you can't just begin with Jesus. Hmm. Um, there's some baggage around even the name of Jesus. Hmm. There's a, a bad history, the, the forced assimilation, the, uh, the churches that got involved in doing that. And, um, in and, the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And so, and so um, <clears throat> over the years, I was, my wife and I, when we were done pastoring at Hopi, we began traveling. We traveled for 10 years. And I took these little portions of scriptures and I began to share them at events that we would do, sometimes at powwows, sometimes um, on tr at tribal centers, sometimes in churches, um, on reservations. And, and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. You say it in English that we were thinking it in our language. What Bible were you reading from? And we said, there's not a Bible like this. And they said, well, there should be. So eventually I, I, I uh, couldn't find anyone and other people began to pray with me and, and liking what I did and began to pray and, and confirm to me I, that you're the one that's supposed to do this. You've got the heart, you've got the passion, you've got the vision. You, you've already started doing it. So why, you know, you should do it go all the way. <laughs> you know, one of the things I, and I don't know where I've heard it. I might've heard it from YWAM was the idea of, um, uh, the heart language, yeah, that term heart language, um, in the heart language of the people. And what, what's your understanding of that? Uh, it, like, what does that make you think of? Well, heart language just, it's, it's, it's for, for, um, cultures, it's the language you were born into. Mm. Um, and so in our, in our, in our native heart languages, would be those original languages we spoke, but we're not speaking for the most part. Right. We're not speaking those languages. So is there a way to take the the rhythm and feel and wording of those heart languages translated into English? Can we capture that? And we uh, we've been told we, we've done it. We've done a pretty good job at it. I can't say it's perfect. Yeah. You yeah. know. 
Um, but in any way, and it's not, we're not trying to say this is done by all Native Americans representing all Native Americans. Right. It's done by a group of Native people. I was the lead translator. I was the vision person for it. I was the project manager. But we had over 50 Native people involved in this translation from many different tribes. And yeah. this is our gift to our Native people and to the dominant culture out there. But I finally said yes to it. And um, after I said yes to it, uh, it was time to do to to kind of begin it. So I started a Facebook page. I created a website. Uh, I said, and then I I, I started translating the uh, the gospel to a Christmas story, mm. and and created a book as a test to get this book out there, the birth of the chosen one, mm. and it was really well received, and mm. and, and it helped make more and more people aware that we're working on this project. We're going to do the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So the second, then I did a second book. It was called uh, uh, When the Great Spirit Walked Among Us. And, and uh, I took the four gospels and made them into, and harmonized them, which is impossible, but you do it anyway. Um, <laughs> there is something called the harmony of the gospels where there they is. chronologically go through it. Yeah. And so we harmonized uh, all four gospels into one story. Hmm. Um, and and then reworded them in this native uh, kind of English vernacular, and and uh, that was really well received. Matter of fact, crew nations began to use it in their training, their staff training, and different things to introduce cultural ways to to bridge the cultures and things like that. And then I started the First Nation version uh, translation, and that's. Uh, when uh, it was in 2015, and that's when the Bible translation organization called One Book, part of Wycliffe Global Alliance, yeah. saw, found my website accidentally and reached out to me and said, how would you like some help to yeah. do what you're doing? And that's beautiful. And then it started. We partnered with them and and the new and we, uh, they helped us. They gave us expertise, but their philosophy was the indigenous people do the translating. We just do the support and help, and we do some fundraising for you, and we uh, we we um, give you some tools that you'll need to do. They serve. They serve you guys. That's right. That's that's and, oh, that's beautiful. Well, and what a beautiful thing and an honoring thing for them to do yes. that. Yeah. That's you know. so good. So let, let me ask you. So I've read through, I've, I've gotten a copy. I've read through, I'm going through the gospel of John now, and it's just, it's, it's beautiful. Like, I mean, that's, that's one of the descriptions I would use. It is a very beautiful translation. And, and, and so it just going through a couple pieces, you, you use terminology in the version uh, that, you know, with a non-native person, they'd be like, what's that? And so just let's get a, if you don't mind just sharing just a, some of the, like, you can start with Jesus and anybody else you want to highlight of uh, name of God, you know, things like that. Can you just go through a couple of those for us? Uh, and then we can kind of keep rolling. Well, the, one of the first things we did was um, we formed a translation council mm. of, of 12 from different um, uh, denominations, Christ, Christian backgrounds and tribal heritages mm -hmm. and tribal ancestry. And so um, Wycliffe identified about nearly 200 words uh, that are key to translating the New Testament. So in, we got our council together and we we began to to go through every one of those words 
and decide mm. how are we going to translate God. Mm, yeah. Okay. So you start with Not God. Not a small task. <laughs> well, we, well, of course, we discovered that the word God isn't an inspired translation. Uh, it's an English word that comes probably from a German root uh, somewhere uh, as English uh, came in and, and, and it has no specific, it, what it means is English is a divine being, so to speak, a God. So it's a re re relatively generic term. It's a generic term. Yeah. And so, uh, so we looked at, at, at different ways, uh, in a general way, how do native people speak of the supreme being? Hmm. So we, we felt, we, we saw that great spirit and creator are the most common things yeah. you'll hear. Almost any powwow you go to, if they open in a prayer, they'll pray to creator. Right. They'll pray to the great spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that is a designation and that's shared by many different tribes now. Uh, some, sometimes they use the term grandfather, which was one of the terms we didn't use. Mm -hmm. um, and be, because I wasn't totally, I would have used it, but I wasn't in totally in charge. And the council weighed in on different reasons why or why not to do that. So, and then we used other other titles for God, like the one above us all. Um, we we uh, the giver of life, maker of breath, all these different terminologies that different tribes have used, and we just incorporated them in where they uh, felt. It felt right to put yeah. those in for yeah. the the Greek word theos, and so then we moved to okay, we got God, right? We're going to translate God this way. Yeah. What about Jesus? Yeah. How are we going to say Jesus? You know, and, without well, baggage, without the baggage, <laughs> and so hey, we let thought, me stop. I'm going to stop okay. you when that so. So I've been exposed to some teaching recently of somebody that's worked a lot with Muslims. And yeah. so Jesus in Islam is Aisha or not Isa, Isa, sorry, Isa. And so a lot of times as Americans, we think, well, Jesus, it's got magical powers. That word has magical powers in English. And it's like uh, not to people that speak a different language. No, it's going to be Isa or it's going to be something else. And so some, yeah. sometimes, I mean, we as Americans are so inundated with our own culture. And I would say white Americans, I would say, you know, it, that you, it's like, oh, you don't touch the name of Jesus. It's like, have you ever read a non-English Bible that doesn't translate Jesus? Like it's, it's right. not, anyway, I just wanted to say that before you go on. Oh, you're absolutely right. Matter of fact, uh, the greatest pushback we've gotten is people, is uh, people think that we've, you know, we're trying to change the name of Jesus to something right. else that, that doesn't work. You can't yeah. use that name because that doesn't, you know, that doesn't work. It's the name J-E-S-U-S. -S. Right. Although if you go, if you do some research on where that name came from in English. Yeah. Uh, it's only been around for about 400 years. Okay. And the 1611 King James Bible did not use the name J-E-S-U-S. -S. It used I-E-S-U-S. Jesus. Jesus, which comes from the Greek. It's an actual way to, to take the Greek word Jesus and trans and put it into an English format, sounding it out. Um, today, we would probably use a Y, Jesus, or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and it came from the Hebrew Yeshua, of course. Yeah. Um, and so, and in when we went to Madagascar, uh, Jesus was called Jesosi. You know, Jesosi. Or what I, was the I last? I love that. That makes me so happy <laughs> because it's like Jesus is not Jesus is not as much in a box as we think he is. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, names are important, but names, it's Jesus, it's, it's God's son, creator's own son, that makes the name Jesus meaningful. Yes, amen. It's not the name that makes him meaningful. That's, it's man, the other way around. You're preaching. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. That is so good. <laughs> and so, and so, um, you know, when was the last time you went to, say, a Mexican restaurant and had Jesus serve you as your waiter? Right, exactly. Right? Or Jesus, as mm. they would, as the Mexican people would say, Jesus. But yeah. we'd look at, I saw the name tag, says Jesus. And other people, another thing that people don't realize is that the name Jesus, uh, or the or even the name Yeshua from the Hebrew, or Yahashua, um, was a common name in the time of Jesus, in the Second Temple Judaism, it was a, he didn't have an exceptional name. As a matter of fact, the angel said, you shall call his name, the prophecy said, you'll call his name Emmanuel. And then they named him Jesus. Huh? <laughs> they didn't even listen to the prophecy. The angel said, no, you're going to name him Jesus because Jesus is Emmanuel. And the name Jesus fulfills the meaning of Emmanuel. I believe the, the angel or God chose the name Jesus because it's of the meaning of the name. Yeah. What is the meaning of the name? The name of Jesus is Yeshua or Yah, the, the shortened version of Yahweh for the name, the Old yeah. Testament Hebrew name for God, and Shua, which is the Hebrew for to be uh, rescued, to be delivered, to be set free. Mm. Okay. So Yah sets free or yah saves hmm. or 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 some say that jesus means in standard english god saves yeah so and and so the meaning of his name was chosen to indicate that this was what he was going to do this was god coming to rescue human beings from themselves hmm. you know and and to rescue the world so we as native people we said you know our native people we we have meaning to our names traditionally. Yeah. So we chose the meaning of the names in the in the Bible. Hmm. Like Jesus becomes creator, sets free. Because he will set his people free from their bad hearts and their broken ways. Yeah. So that's the idea. That's the reason he has that name and hmm. the meaning of the name. So can the name creator sets free save you? Yeah. When it's attached to that person. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not that's, if it's that's to your waiter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. You can get your water, though. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's so powerful because the power of Jesus's name or creator sets free or Yahshua is, is, is the man himself that God sent, you know, and, and not just the name of, you know, it's, it's, um, it's sort of like um, uh, that whole, that Sons of Sceva story, right? So the Sons of Sceva about where they're confronted with the demonic presence and they basically are told, 
Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? You don't even believe the things. You don't. I know you don't believe this. So I'm going right. to overwhelm you with right. my demonic power because you have no belief. You're using magic words that you don't even you're, believe. You're in. trying to use his name magically, right? Exactly. And, and so, so anyway, that's a side note. But so, what did you call the the, the Holy Spirit? Actually, we just stuck with Holy Spirit. Great, <laughs> uh, because that's very relatable. Uh, our, our native people use the word holy and sacred. Yeah, uh, we yeah. use we use spirit. So Holy Spirit was was just why change it when it's already in a yeah. good, good shape. So I'd really love to get sort of into um, not only your head, but also those that you worked with around some of the native uh, beliefs that you believed sort of aligned with sort of biblical teaching or God revealed teaching in, in the New Testament. Um, and I know that many tribes have many practices, but there was some commonality, right? Like the great spirit, that would be common or knowing God as creator, very common. Um, so would you say, that, what are some other belief systems that you came across, across different tribes that you said, yeah, this, this translates, this would translate across different tribes because a lot of tribes hold this belief and this belief is you believe to be biblical or you believe to be based on God's work? Well, the, um, of course, the, uh, what does it say in, in the book of Hebrews? If you come to creator, you must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who dilig diligently seek him or, or work hard at seeking him. Mm. Uh, in Acts 17, it says from one blood, the creator made all, all the human beings, right? And he, he established all the different uh, tribes and, and, and people groups, ethnicities, and he, he gave them their very places that they would, um, they would uh, inhabit. Uh, and then it says, he did this so that they might seek after him. Hmm. So creator placed native people in this land for the purpose of seeking him. Hmm. And native people have been seeking creator ever since they've been here. Yeah. They've been seeking the, the the creator. They seek him as a spirit. So so there's a commonality right there in the Bible. God, Jesus said God, God or creator is spirit. Mm -hmm. And those that worship him or serve him must do so in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And so and so native people understand there's a spiritual world and they understand there's a natural world. That's a biblical view. Mm -hmm. Native people understand there are spirits that are good and there are spirits that are bad. That's a biblical view, worldview. And mm -hmm. in, in my Anishinaabe culture, uh, which I can uh, speak about a little bit, we have seven sacred teachings from the seven grandfathers who represent the great spirit. Mm -hmm. And the Bible talks about the seven spirits it's in Revelation. of God. And so there's a there there to me that's common ground. Okay, yeah. we got seven spirits, seven grandfather spirits representing the creator, and they're uh they're teaching about him. They're giving us uh they gave us ceremonies and prayers and ways of of uh thinking and understanding our relationship to creation, our relationship to the creator and to one another. And 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 the understanding that that uh th this world has uh, there's there's bad spirits. There's there's good and bad in the world, mm. and so this 
this idea that when things go wrong, it's not just because uh, something happened in the natural world. It's also because something happened in the spiritual world, because for native people, the spiritual and natural are not separated. Hmm. They are connected. So our physical bodies are, and our spirits are connected, integrated with, with each other. Spirit affects physical, physical effect, affects spiritual. And so this idea, this world is very biblical. Yeah, very much. Yeah, that there's a there's a, a spirit, soul, a physical body. They they don't necessarily in yeah, those are like integrated holes. And so we have seven sacred teachings. We have um we have uh wisdom and love and respect, courage, honesty, humility, and truth. Hmm. Seven grandfather teachings. All those teachings, all of our most of our ceremonies, I've been told, were to reinforce these seven sacred teachings. Hmm. And these seven sacred teachings complete a circle in the way we are supposed to be in, live in harmony with creation and the people around us, other peoples. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so, we, uh, so you have the medicine wheel mm -hmm. or the, the, uh, the, the hoop of life as Black Elk called it, or you have uh, the circle of life as the Anishinaabe might call it, circle of life. So that circle of life has a circle and four quadrants. Mm -hmm. So you have an, an upward and a cross. So you have the spiritual and you have the natural. Mm. We relate to the spiritual world and we relate to the natural world. And those things are all integrated in this circle of life that we live. The creator is like a circle because he has no beginning and no end, just like a circle. Yeah. And so all these ways of seeing and understanding the world are very spiritual and natural, all combined, and really relate well to um, the traditional Hebrew tribal way of, of understanding the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got first exposed to the concept. There was a book that you may know called Eternity in Their Hearts. It was written mm -hmm. by a missionologist named Don Richardson. He was a missionary in, I think, Indonesia or somewhere in that where in the and he stumbled across this folklore in the tribe that was the perfect match for trying to describe Jesus to the people. So he used the folklore to lead people to Jesus. Then he said, I wonder if God's done this in other places. And so he studied all these missionary biographies or whatever history, and he would discover all these different cultures that God had pre-visited before a missionary saying the name of Jesus or carrying a New Testament ever showed up. And they would have common understanding of things that are very biblical before missionaries show up. And then he went to the native peoples, the uh, uh, First Nations people in the Americas, and he said they had this concept of the four, four that the world is separated into these four segments. And then the, the, his analysis was they respond really well to the four spiritual laws. And I was like, that's it? That's all you got. I was so disappointed. There's so much like, more. There's, I mean, I was like, that is literally like the word. I mean, I was so like, I love his work and I love the concept. But when he went to the Native Americans, I was like, there is a whole world you haven't even touched. And so, yeah, that's that's really powerful. Let's talk a little bit about the ceremonies. 
ceremonies are very important to, to Native people. And, and so can you talk a little bit about maybe some, some ceremonies that you've come to understand that may have some biblical parallels? Sure. Um, one of the things that um, in, among the Anishinaabe and other tribes also, we have a, a SWAT lodge. Hmm. And the SWAT Lodge uh, has a lot of um, meaning to it. Uh, it's ceremonial and it's spiritual. It's natural. It's all, it all comes together. The SWAT Lodge is, is, uh, is built usually out of branches, from, was traditionally built out of branches, and it made a dome shape. And then that dome was covered with animal skins and different things. Um, and it, and uh, there was put a, a door, a very small door, that you would enter into this sweat lodge that had earth under it. And so the sweat lodge was to go in and pray. It was a place of prayer. And it was a place of uh, seeking spiritual things. Hmm. And it was reconnecting to our, our origins uh, as human beings. Where do we come from? We come out of the earth. Hmm. Okay, we we're, we're we're earth beings. And, um, and, and of course, biblically, Adam was made from the clay, from the ground. Okay, his name actually means like red clay or red dirt or dirt man. Uh, and so uh, we have this sweat lodge and in the sweat lodge, uh, um, we, uh, we seek purification. Now, now, why would we want to be pure? The very, the very idea of seeking to be pure means that somehow we've gotten impure. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that concept of impurity and purity is a biblical concept. Yeah. And it's also a native concept. Mm-hmm. So, our, so that's common ground. Yeah. And so, so the sweat lodge was a way to pray. We had sacred herbs that we used to pray with, uh, sweet grass and cedar and and tobacco and um, uh, and the um, sage. Yes, the sage. The sage was primarily for for purification. Yeah. Um, I I put it in the wrong order. That's why I forgot sage at the end. <laughs> but but um, um, and so these these ways of praying with smoke okay is smoke is praying with smoke and incense a biblical idea yes you can find it in the old testament and you can find it in the new testament in the book of revelation it talks about the smoke going up from the altar in heaven and that the prayers of the of the holy people of god are 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 going up with the smoke to the creator in our Anishinaabe way of praying, mm. we pray with smoke, and the smoke we say as the as the smoke goes up with our prayers, the blessings come down. Yeah, and so the, the that idea, the sweat lodge, the, uh, the it's all ceremonial. Ceremonial. We have these rocks we heat very hot. We consider these rocks to be older than us. We can sit, we, we, we feel like these rocks have been here uh, since the beginning of the world. Mm. And, and, and so they, they, they have, in a sense, they have 
this history within them. And when we heat them and they let out this heat to purify us, we're connecting to that original creation event. Hmm. And also when we're in, in the, the sweat lodge, it, we call it entering back into our mother's womb to be in a sense, born over again. Hmm. So is that concept a biblical concept? Jesus actually taught Nicodemus that it was, even though Nicodemus struggled with, with that one. Yeah. Can a person go back and be born in their mother's womb and be born over again? So, so, but the idea with the Anishinaabe and the sweat lodge is that you're, you're reconnecting to the earth. Hmm. That's your, that's our original mother. Yeah. Okay. Because we are, we came out of the ground. We're dirt people yeah. and the, the 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 earth is like a mother yeah. uh, it's like our mother in that it is the mother of our physical bodies and so uh so those are you know all these ceremonies the whole purpose of them was to bring harmony and balance back again it was because we knew we couldn't do it ourselves we knew we needed help from the spirit world or from the creator we needed help to be who we were, we were supposed to be and created to be. So we were crying out, seeking for help from the spirit world where the creator is mm -hmm. and trusting that he would help us in this process. And so I don't see anything unbiblical about that. Do you find, so, uh, so some of the, uh, just a, a quick thought. So some of the practices and let's just use the mother's womb one that's a good specific one so with jesus is the do you find that there are some ceremonies that get fulfilled or take on a new meaning oh absolutely okay uh do you like do you have an example of maybe of that or i just gave you an example of the sweat lodge yeah yeah jesus yeah. fulfills that birthing that new birth that we need yeah. and that we're seeking after. He becomes the human who first experienced, as a human, he experienced this mm -hmm. death and coming to life again and, yeah. and having this resurrection that, that gave him powers and a new thing as a human being. He already had those things as God, yeah. but he didn't have them at all as human yet. And now he, he has all those things as a human. And then, he gives us his spirit so that we can, uh, you know, cooperate with him and experience the same thing he experienced. And so that's fulfilled. That doesn't mean we, we won't do a, a sweat lodge again. No, it's but a connection. It, like my take on it, like I've yet to do one and I will be doing one <laughs> at some point. And I, I um, and it's, it's really from my perspective, it's, it's, it's a way to connect with God. It's just a, it's just a different way to connect with God. Like to me in a Eurocentric sort of church centric world, you know, you got the red carpet, you got the altar with the little kneeling pad and the pews, and that's where you connect with God. You're like, that is so cultural. You don't even have an idea of how cultural that is, but people well, say, no, that's the godly place. And you're like, that's no. right. And we, in another way we connect with uh, God in church is by singing together. Sure. And so that uh, we sing and we express our faith in words and in melodies. And, and that's really, that's true for native people too. We had uh, our songs are prayers. 
You know, um, when you hear that that drum and the hey, 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 we don't even always know what words we're singing. We unless we go into our language, we're just expressing something from deep in our spirits to the Creator. Mm. You know, and uh, we know that they're ancient words to give thanks with. That's what a Hopi elder told me. They're ancient words we give thanks with. We don't know what they mean anymore. Some of these words, but we we they're 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 words of thanksgiving so i as a believer in jesus i can connect with creator through a sweat lodge through a, a drum song uh, and all these things the focus changes a little yeah, because right. now we we're in in one sense the creator has come down to us and now we're he's with us in a way he wasn't with us before mm-hmm okay and so that, that that's the fulfillment part so so he doesn't want us to take away our cultures our sweat lodges but he does want to he does want to complete them and actually add to them good things hmm. so there's a ceremony i want to explore with you um sure. uh, and that's the naming ceremony um thinking about it from um from a kind of biblical historical standpoint um you know, the value of names, the, the value of receiving a name. Um, can you just, what are your thoughts on the naming ceremonies? And different tribes have different traditions. You have the um, vision quest, uh, but then there, that's a little bit of a naming ceremony, but, but then you have formal naming ceremonies later. And yeah, just, just your thoughts. Yeah, on the, the vision, vision quest is, might be combined with give, giving a person a new name after the quest. Okay, you know, um, uh, and so it's a coming of age kind of ceremony, the vision quest. Yeah, um, and so the the act of naming uh, is is very powerful. The first uh, the uh, the first thing Moses wanted to know was what from from God. What do you want to know? I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who should I say is sending me? Oh, I'm thinking. I'm sorry. Sorry. What, sorry. I, I, what's your name? <laughs> thank you. Yes. Man, I really failed on that. I should have had that one. I had Noah in my hand. I'm thinking vision quest and animals. And I thought you said Noah. And I'm like, I don't know what Noah is. Noah, said. Moses. <laughs> Moses. Yes. Yes. Um, so anyway, um, and so what did creator say to Moses? He said, um, I am that I am, or I will be what I will be. Tell them I am sent you because he's so much, he, his name is, is bigger than we can, yes. uh, can in some ways relate to. Uh, it, 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 it's such a, a thing. And sometimes, you know, if you think you, if you know somebody's name, you, you think you might have some kind of power over them. Uh, that was an ancient way of thinking and, and, uh, God, nobody's going to have the power of the creator. He's going to be what he's, what he is and nothing can change who he is or what he is. But so naming is so important. Biblically, uh, Abraham was, is a good example. He was, name was Abram, uh, before he came to know the creator and Abram, uh, means basically honored father. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then when he made the, when the Creator made the covenant with with Abram, he gave him a new name, 
father of many nations, Abraham. And so um, his purpose was integrated into his name. Mm -hmm. Native, native naming is very similar. Um, you're not always given just one name. Sometimes you receive a name or several names at birth, depending on your tribe. For the Anishinaabe people, you don't exist to the spirit world until you have a name. Mm -hmm. So uh, as soon as you're given your name, that name is spoken in all the directions and introduces the whole spirit world to who you are. Hello, this mm -hmm. is who I am. Yeah. And now you have a connection to the spirit world through a name, through your name, yeah. um, identifying who you are. A name, again, is identify, identification with, with who, who you are. And so that name can have purpose in it. If you were born in a certain clan, that name will probably be a, a similar name to other names in the clan that have to do with the, the purpose of your clan. Just like the tribes of Israel, if you were born into... Uh, the Levite tribe, you, you, that's the priestly tribe. Yeah. Nobody else could be priests except the Levite tribe. Well, native people, we have different tribal her uh, uh, clans and you have to, if you're born into a certain clan, you might be a leader, a chief. Yeah. They come out of that clan, or you might be, uh, uh, have some other role within, within the tribe. And so, uh, naming helps, uh, helps you, identify and wear that purpose. And um, and so uh, the naming ceremony, I received a naming ceremony, uh, two of them actually. And, uh, um, and so I was, you know, when I was named, the, my name was spoken in all the directions, hmm. you know, my new name. And so I was given a new name. I have my name, Terry Wildman in Dishnikaz. Uh, Terry Wildman is my name. Uh, that's the name I was given at my birth. I, I honor that name. Hmm. I, I like being a wild man. <laughs> that's a great name. <laughs> you know, I've looked up the meaning of Terry, and, and uh, depending on the route you want to go back to, it can mean harvester, reaper. Uh, it can also mean smooth and polished one. <laughs> but, but the names I was given by two of my mentors, Casey Church, was, mm -hmm. was one of my mentors who gave me a naming ceremony and gave me a name. And Brian John from the Ojibwe gave me a name um, later on. So I, 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 I combined both those names. Mm -hmm. So Casey gave me the name Good, uh, or actually um, he gave me the name uh, Great Thunder or Voice of Great Thunder. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Gitche Animiki, uh, Voice of Great Thunder. And then I was given the name Good Medicine Spirit. So Voice of Great Thunder with a Good Medicine Spirit uh, became becomes my native name that I am living out mm. as, a, as, in, as a native person. That's how I identify my, uh, myself as a native person. Uh, when if I, um, and I often have messed up because in these interviews, I should uh, give you my name, yeah. my native name, besides my birth so, name. Ha having had that, and and uh, do you believe that, that you can see kind of God at work through the name, through the native name in your life? 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you, what's your thoughts well, on that? Well, well, one of the things is, is Casey uh, prayed for a year and a half for my name. Mm. So, so don't, if you want to, you know, if you're going to go through a naming ceremony, you're going to have to wait a long time yeah. <laughs> because uh, the person praying doesn't just take it lightly. It's a very sacred task to give a name. Yeah. And so, Yes, um, but he saw things in me already. He saw this voice that Creator was giving me, mm-hmm. and 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 so he says, he said, "Your your voice of great thunder, mm-hmm. great thunder being the Creator." Um, he said, but he said, but he also reminded me. He says, "But at home, you're just big thunder, because you're not supposed to have a big head about this." You know, and so there's always that humor side, of course, I love it. Um, But um, so I I do see that happening. Um, Right now, I'm in a season where uh, a creator has given me a voice through this First Nation version. Yes. And I've been speaking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people through these podcasts. I've had three or four podcasts a week for almost for two months now, oh, almost three months, because I started the podcast before it was released. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I I get to speak to a lot of people in Canada. I was on television, spoke to a lot of people. So yes, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. You're saying it's a fulfillment of the meaning of that name, a voice of great thunder. But also I have good medicine spirit. Yeah. And so one of the things that I, I, uh, people have told me without me bringing it up sure terry i really like your spirit i like the way you present i like the way you share I, you you talk about really tough things but you you there's a grace about what you what you share and so um i see that also as a fulfillment yeah. of that name and so so by owning that name and accepting that name and and making it part of who i am uh creator uses that name uh yeah. to fulfill purposes in my life how's that that's powerful and i love it so let's let's end with this because i just you know my my audience is not all natives and and so there's a concept of good medicine right i know what you're Mm -hmm. talking about but but can you maybe describe what that means to a native uh native person when you say good medicine well good medicine is really the bottom line is it's anything that's helps make you better. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it could be an herb. It could be a kind of food you eat. Food is good medicine. Certain foods are good medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a, a kind of prayer. That whole, that prayer is good medicine. It means it brings blessing to me. It brings um, uh, fruitfulness to me. It brings good things. So good medicine is so, and bad medicine would be those things that harm us. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and so uh, medicine just becomes a word for, for like a, a medicine can be a cure. Yeah, uh, like we use medicine in our Western world, it helps your body heal itself sometimes. You know, or it brings healing to your body, or it sets up a healing situation, and that's what we did with our herbs and our prayers. We were, we were praying and and setting up a spiritual way to connect, to get our bodies to respond to the good things the creator has, has for us. Yeah. And I, and I think I would just, um, my thought of good medicine is that it's, it's also spiritual. 
You know, yeah, Jesus' oh, yes. words Absolutely. are good medicine. God's mm -hmm. words are good medicine. They are good for your soul. They're good for your body. And Laughter is good medicine. Exactly. Proverbs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, it's been a real honor to have you on. And um, uh, I'm sorry, I want to call you Big Thunder because that's what made me laugh. But voice of, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, say your name again. It's good medicine spirit. And what was the other one? Um, great, the voice of the great thunder with the good medicine yes, spirit. Yes, thank you. Voice of the great thunder. And, um, and if people want to follow up and, and learn more about the translation and, and, uh, or learn more about you, is there a website they should go to or? Yes. Uh, the best thing is just go to firstnationsversion.com and you can connect to the, to the translation there. You can uh, read about how it was done. You can see where you can buy it from. If you want to buy it, yeah. um, you, you can check out our music. Uh, that's on there um it's it's all there so uh go there firstnationsversion.com hey thank you so much for coming on and i'm definitely going to be checking out your music <laughs> all right miigwech means thank you for listening hey guys thanks for listening to the podcast Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.